Yes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world, whether you're watching the video or listening on the podcast. This is Home Studio Q&A, where I help you with your home studio matters. My name is Pete, and uh, here on Studio Live today, my goal is to help you create, record, and release your best music. And I do that through tips and tricks and tutorial videos and live shows just like this one. If that's your bag, consider subscribing to the channel. Just head over to studiolivetoday.com. All the ways you can get in touch with me will be listed over there. We're going to get into your questions in just a moment. We've got some questions from the folks who are here live. We've got some questions that have come in through the week. But before we do that, like every week, we have a bit of a feature topic. And this one is going to be more of a rant than a topic. And it's not so much helping as uh, just talking about something. So music uh, as, uh, as a job. So can you have a job in music these days? What has changed about the music industry and the music business? And is it still viable to make money with your music? Short answer is yes, there are still working musicians. There are still working mixers, mix engineers and mastering engineers and everyone in between. The thing is it's changed. So I look at it this way. I say that those who have evolved and changed with the music industry and have jobs in music are doing well. So if you look at artists that have embraced the live streaming culture, that have embraced the fact that people don't buy recorded music anymore, but it's all streaming, that have done things like doing the VIP experiences on their live tours, that have upped their merchandise game, they are still making a good living out of their music. The ones who said, hey, I like the days where I just got paid a million dollars by a record company to make a record, and then a bunch of people bought my record, and then I just went back to writing my next record, and don't want to go out there and do the social media, and do the VIP experiences, and work on their merchandise, they're the ones who are suffering and struggling. So I wanted to put it out there, because it's kind of the same with, with music industry. So if you're sitting there, I'm a home studio creator, and maybe you want music to be your job, or maybe you want to earn some money from your music, Number one that you need to think is, it's not a bad thing. Uh, I think I come across a lot of people who, when you start talking about music and money, they're like, oh no, you can't make money from your music. That, that, that ruins the creativity. Music is art and art is to be shared without, without profit. And the, the thing with that is, is, A, if that's your bag, more power to you, if that's the way you want to do things. But B, artists have been making a living from doing their art for a long time. The whole concept of a Patreon and a patron is that there used to be rich kings that would pay artists and musicians to paint for them and to play for them. So if just because you're a musician doesn't mean you have to be a poor starving artist. The old starving artist philosophy is a very weird one where it's like, oh, this one, it's okay. If, you, if you're a carpenter, make all the money in the world doing your job. If your job just happens to be making people happy through playing music, no, 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 you can't make any money. That's, that's, that's blasphemous. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So the other thing, the, the real advice here and the real thing that I'll say is if you do want to make money from your music, absolutely fine. But these days, it's not like one job. So take me. I mean, I know, I know me. So my example is this, is that the actual money, if I was just a musician, the actual money I make from playing my music live, from streaming my music, from selling my music is very small. It's maybe 5% of the total money that I make through Studio Live today. What I do is diversify that out. So I do a bunch of other things. I do the merchandise. I do videos and tutorials about this. I have a Patreon that people can join up to. Uh, people give me donations when they think I'm doing a good job. So there's a number of ways that you can actually do things. So that, that's the big advice here with music these days is that the music industry has changed. The music profession has changed. And like everything, even in the corporate world, 
People have these side hustles. People are doing different things. People are diversifying because there is no such thing as that dream job. And in music, it's all the more important to know this now is that the, the, the dream music jobs are kind of gone. The guys that could work, guys and girls that could work in a studio, get paid good money by, an, by a studio to mix records, it just doesn't happen anymore. Those same people can still make money. They just need to diversify and do different things. So if you are looking for music as a job and that's something that uh, is, is uh, floating your boat, then keep that in mind. You do, need to, uh, you do need to diversify and you do need to think, what is happening? Where are things changing to? And how can I do different things within the music space that are going to help me and help others? Uh, cheers to that. Need a coffee break? Ah, because coffee is good. Um, Tom Rochelle says, uh, I always thought starving artist was that you were broke as a musician despite your best efforts because it's hard to make money as a musician or artist. And yeah, uh, that, that's definitely true. It is definitely hard to make money as a musician or an artist. And there are, yeah, the whole starving artist thing is that if, if you do it purely in the way, in the traditional way, the cream rises to the top and the opportunities are important and, you know, just luck factors are important. So yeah, if you want to try and be the 0.1% that actually make it with a record, like a traditional musician with a record deal, then yeah, you'll end up being a starving artist. But the thing is, I don't want folks to be starving artists. I want folks to find ways if, if you want to make money. And again, I'm not saying that you have to, but if you want to make money out of your music, there's a bunch of different ways that you can do it. And uh, thank you, Jade, who said, uh, yeah, become a supporter of Studio Live today on Patreon, patreon.com slash Pete Johns. Uh, Andy Goldsby says, I diversified by getting a day job. And you know what? That's exactly what most of us and what I did for 25 years. I loved music and I loved playing music, but I wasn't making much, if any, money from music. So you get a day job and you support it and then it's a hobby and then it's a passion and that's totally cool too. So yeah, I'm not saying this to say you need to do it. I just think a lot of folks are like, oh, it's either on or off. It's either you are a complete hack and making no money and just doing it as a hobby or you're a professional musician and you're touring and you're getting paid by record companies and you've got record deals and things. There is an in-between and uh, it's, it's quite fun to be the in-between at this stage. <laughs> SM Borthwick says, uh, I diversify by marrying well. There you go. Uh, and it is good coffee indeed. Uh, that's the way to do it. Alrighty, uh, I will have another sip of coffee and then we'll jump over to your questions. So if you are here live, there is a question form that is linked down in the description and in the chat here. So you can uh, jump into that form and ask your question. I apologize to those on the podcast. I really need this coffee today and I know you're going to get a little bit of ASMR coffee slurping. So my my sincere apologies for that. Let's jump into the questions. So we have a question here from uh, Jasvinda Singh and Jasvinda asked, when I'm trying to export from GarageBand to iMovie, I saw your old video. I click on share in the project button. Uh, you said to click on the open in button. Doesn't show an open in button. So what do I click or what should I do? Now, I honestly haven't used iMovie for a long time. I did a few uh, did a few tutorials on iMovie back in the day because it it's a pretty powerful way to actually um, create video on your iPhone or iPad. I tend to use LumaFusion these days, which is a more powerful video editor. But iMovie is definitely something that you can check out. I'm just doing the uh, the export here now. So uh, it, it's export. So from, hang on, was it GarageBand or iMovie? Export uh, project. Export from GarageBand. Okay, from GarageBand to iMovie. So if we go to GarageBand. Uh, so when you're exporting from GarageBand, and I'm going to have to hold up my screen here today because I'm, I'm going a bit low tech. I don't have my screen sharing. So if we grab a project, let's just grab one here. 
uh, all of these, <laughs> all of these are uh, not downloaded. Hold the line a moment while uh, while I download a project because they're all stored in my iCloud drive, which is handy until they're not on your device and you want them, and then you have to download them. So uh, you're going to be subjected to another coffee sip while I wait for that to download. But the uh, yeah, the premise here is that once we tap on this, oh, we'll come back to here. So I'm going to hold it up like this. So those on the audio version, I'm holding up my iPhone. I'm going to tap on a project until we get to the share option. And we're going to tap on share. And it's going to bring up a song or ringtone or project. We're going to share the song. Because if you're sending it out to iMovie, this is what you do. High quality, we'll tap share. It's going to go away and do its thing. Now it's giving us this menu here. And this is the one where you need to use open in. So you get the menu where it's going to be unzip, zip, um, Mac, it's got uh, add to paste, add tags, depending what apps you've got installed. At the very top, you can send it directly to apps. But what I suggest doing is hitting the open in. So if we hit open in, it's going to go and export our project. And once it's exported, that's the point where you want to save it out and then import it into iMovie if you want to save it as an audio file. Or from memory, you can actually just send it straight to iMovie from here. So we'll just wait for this to export, this exciting export. We'll leave it down for a moment. So it's exporting the song, and then I'll, I'll show you in just a moment how we can actually do that. Um, Joey Helpish on the topic of uh, music as uh, as work. What I've seen work the, uh, the most is art or music as a service. The possibilities are endless. Yeah, and, and Joey Helpish is someone who, who does a lot of that. Joey does live streams. He does live shows. He does songwriting for other people. So he actually has... So J Joey does all sorts of different things when it comes to the music business. It doesn't just have to be you create your own music and you try to sell it because... Yeah, there's not enough people that are going to buy your music, to be very, very honest. So we're done here now. We've got it all good to go here. We're going to scroll across the top of the screen here, hit more on the apps because I don't have it set up here. And we should be able to scroll down and say copy to iMovie. I'm turning it around so I can actually see it. Uh, I'm going to make a liar of myself here now, aren't I? <laughs> there it is. Open in iMovie. So there you go. We've got open in iMovie. We tap on that one. It's going to open a project in a moment uh oh it it asked me to open a pro it, it opened in iMovie uh, but then it uh, it kind of crashed out so maybe there are a few issues with that maybe i need to explore that in a new video but the other way to do it is and my recommended way these days is just to export and save out the wave file because then all you need to do is go into iMovie and import it just say add add audio import it into iMovie so yeah may, maybe you're right maybe the open in function is, uh, is kind of failing at the moment. Who knew? Uh, but yeah, if you once you get to that open in, just save to files, save the audio file somewhere on your device, and then uh, bring it on into iMovie, and you should be, you should be right. <laughs> Barry Smith, I think you've been asking me this question for about six months, as long as it's been a rumor. Is Apple going to put Logic Pro X on the iPad? Yeah, eventually, maybe, probably, maybe not. That's the answer to that one. Nobody knows. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll soon find out. All right, we'll go back to the, uh, excuse me a moment. We'll go back to the question list and grab our next question. If you do have a question today, as you saw on the pinned comment and the chat, uh, all you need to do is go to that form and put it in there. It's easy as pie. All right, we've got a long one here from Lillian. Uh, the question is, sorry, Peter, I asked a couple of questions, but not in the right place like here. Uh, number one, are there any stringed instrument add-ons in an orchestral symphony type 
or just the ones GB has already. I've tried to download apps, but they don't work with the iPad Air 2. So stringed instrument, you're looking for iSymphonic. That's probably the best and the most well-known stringed instrument sounds. Uh, or what's the other one? Sample Tank is kind of cool from IK Multimedia. So they're the two that I'd recommend checking out. Uh, number two, I did my first compo thanks to your tutorials and tried sending it through Messenger, but the file is too big. You've done a tutorial on it, but I still can't send it. What am I doing wrong? So if you're trying to send any audio file and you're getting issues with file size, so if you're trying to send it on Messenger or if you're trying to send it on email and it's like this file is too big, you need to zip it up. So on your iPhone or your iPad, you actually need to go to your files app. So you, you've got to go into files. You can't be in GarageBand because it won't work there. So if you go to files and you tap and hold on any file, you'll notice, well, no, I've done it wrong. I'm in the recently deleted items, that's why. <laughs> why am I in recently deleted? I've got too much. I need to delete a lot of that stuff. Let's go into my iCloud drive instead and GarageBand. So uh, again, I've got to... I'll go to the one that I actually downloaded. Hang on. Oh, I should have prepared. I never know what questions I'm going to get asked, so I'm not usually very prepared for what I need to prepare. That made sense in my head, not out loud. Uh, all right. So uh, back to here. So we're in files. If we tap and hold on this one, down the bottom of your tap and hold menu, you see compress. That's what you need. So if we tap on compress, it's actually going to zip up that project file. So you can see on the screen there for those watching the video version, we've got, there it is. There's the, the file, the GarageBand project, and then there's this zip file. That zip file is the one that you want to you want to copy over. Now, it still won't work with things like uh, Messenger or email because it'll be too big. What you need to do is upload it to somewhere like Google Drive or Dropbox or Box or Mega or like there's there's literally not almost hundreds, but it's like ten, tens of different services. So you need to, to put it on a cloud storage service, OneDrive, um, what's the other one? Uh, Apple's one, iCloud Drive, somewhere, and then you need to send the link. So you can't send big files. Anytime you've got a big file, you want to upload it to somewhere and then send someone the link to that. And before you do that, it's a good idea to zip it up because a lot of those services don't support the original one. Uh, let's go back to the form. Oh, where was I? Uh, I'm still getting the hang of this Mac. Did I close the form? I certainly didn't mean to. No, there it is. I just, uh, I've got, I don't, I don't know how to get around this. I've got two, I've got two windows of, of um, Google Chrome open, but they both come up and show up under the same one. So I don't, on my PC, every window I opened, I could alt tab between them. On the Mac, it's not the case, but I'll learn it. Don't worry. I'm sure there's a way. I just haven't learned it yet. So let's come back. Number three, I just can't get the hang of doing uh, compos unless there's a long way around. Uh, I'm not quite sure what that question means, sorry. Um, uh, number four, do you have any idea what my other question was? I've forgotten. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know what your other question was. But in terms of, of yeah, if, if you are doing compositions or if you're doing, uh, if you're creating songs, just take it a step at a time. Um, it, it's a learning experience and you will just have to keep trying and trying different things. And uh, as you go, you will uh, you'll learn more things. And it's as simple as that. Like you're not going to be, you're not going to know everything and how to do everything overnight. So just go easy on yourself. I actually have a GarageBand Quick Jams uh, playlist. So if you search my name, Pete John's GarageBand Quick Jams, you'll find that playlist. And that has 72 
four different videos. They're all like two to five minutes and they all show you a different concept. So if you're learning GarageBand, that's a good way to go. You can learn, do, watch the keyboard video and then play around with the keyboard. Watch the drums video and then play around with the drums and you'll slowly learn all the different things as you go through. So uh, that's my recommendation to you. Quick coffee break and we'll move on. Alrighty, next one. I've got a bit of a frog in my throat, which is helping as well. Next one is from Steve. G'day, Steve. Uh, question is, how do you fix extremely distorted recordings in GarageBand? Right. When, when attempting to record acoustic guitar, line and mic inputs into my Steinberg UR22 Mark II, connected to an iPad Pro 14.2 via 10 DAC, USB 3 hub and lightning to USB 3 adapter, all of the stuff that I've got, have tried uh, rebooting iPad and resetting GarageBand, but the problem persists. Recordings which use iPad microphones creates good sounding tracks. Right. So uh, Steve's having the problem here where when, when Steve uses his internal microphone on the iPad, the recordings are fine. He then goes and goes to the effort of plugging in a Steinberg, like an audio interface, and then plugging through that, and he's getting distortion to record acoustic guitar. So it does depend. So you said the line and the mic inputs. So it depends what microphone you're using. Obviously, the quality of your microphone and how good a quality your microphone is will determine how good your actual sound is. Um, the other thing is your input gain. So whenever I hear distorted recordings or bad quality recordings, but you've got good quality gear, and everything's set up so you know you're not introducing noise, you've got the proper gear, the proper connections. A lot of it comes down to input gain. So I'll, I'll give you a bit of an example here. I've got my input gain set here on my microphone to about the right level. And you know, it could input volume, input gain, they all kind of mean the same thing. And different mixes and interfaces, you might have one knob, which is just your volume, or you might have a trim and then a volume if you're on a mixer. So for me, for instance, I'm my, mine is at around about sort of two o'clock here. If I turn this up, you're going to suddenly hear, you can hear all the background noise, yeah? Because my input gain is too loud. If I turn it back down, it's at that nice level. If I turn it too low, you're not going to be able to hear what I'm saying. So it's about finding the input gain. And the way to do that is to turn your input up until you can hear the background noise and then turn it down until it goes away. So that's the optimal volume level, and you want to get your peaks hitting between 50 and 70%. If your peaks are hitting too high, that is generally what's going to cause the distortion and going to cause the clipping on your track. So you want to try and dial in your input gain to get it sitting where it's not going to clip, not going to go too loud, but it's not so soft that you then have to turn up your volume after the recording. So that's my advice on that. So give, give that a try and let me know how you go. But yeah, it, it can be disappointing, can't it, when you when you've been using the internal mic and then you get a whole bunch of gear and then you record and it's even worse. Uh, the, the same thing with uh, if you're using it to plugged in. So if you're plugging your guitar directly in, same deal. Just make sure that input gain is set as best you can. Uh, we'll just see if we've got anyone who has any questions. Uh, no, no, one, no one in the chat uh, that has any comments on that one. So we'll jump back on over. This one comes from uh, Raz, Rasmus Oros. Uh, what kind of songs do you take to listen on Your Music Live? Good question. Uh, thank you for those who came along to Your Music Live yesterday. It was another great show. Such a talented group of people that we have in the community here. So if you don't know what Your Music Live is, that's uh, our weekly live show that we do on Saturday morning for me, Friday afternoon or evening, depending where you are in the world. And we listen to songs submitted from the Studio Live Today community. So if you have a song... It can be any genre. The only thing that I ask is it is not, you know, full of profanity. 
it can have the occasional the occasional drop uh, if it's relevant and in the right place. But yeah, not full of profanity and not preaching hate or violence because we that's just not cool. We don't roll like that around here. So uh, as long as you're not preaching any sort of hate or violence against any particular people, uh, or you uh, yeah, or you're full of profanity, then uh, we'll play it. And we've played we play rap, we play hip hop, we play R and B, we play EDM, we play rock and roll, we play punk, we play metal, we play singer songwriter. You name it, we play it on your music live. And if you want to be involved, all you need to do is email me Pete at Studio Live today. Put YML in the subject. That means the Google robots will dump that directly into my folder. If it doesn't have that, it won't go into the folder and it won't get considered. So, uh, And also give me one or two sentences about your song so that when I say, up next we have this performer, I can actually say something I can't just say. And here's a song. Like no, People want to know a little bit behind the song. So uh, that is what you can do with that. Let's grab our next question here. It is from Cousin Frank. Oh, Cousin Frank. Funnily enough, Cousin Frank, thanks for being here. Um, funnily enough, I had your question on my list of ones to ask, answer anyway. So you're possibly asking the same question here. Let's have a quick uh, sip of coffee. And you are. So Cousin Frank says, uh, Cousin Frank, uh, or Frank Clive as a stage name, Cousin Frank is a bit too common in my opinion, but works well for folk music. So yeah, and I think the question you asked was similar over here, which was, uh, I can't find it. Uh, yeah, but, uh, said, yeah, bit of a personal question. I've been using Cousin Frank as a stage name and found a graffiti artist who uses the name and it muzzles up my Google search results. Uh, should I switch uh, to a stage name that's a bit closer to my real name? So short answer is probably if you're using a name and you and there's other people using that same name, it's a better idea to have a unique name. The more unique name you can have, the better you are. Because I know, for instance, that uh, if I search for Jade Star, there are a few Jade Stars, don't, don't go digging too deep. But if I search for Jade Star, because she puts out a lot of content, I'm probably going to find our friend Jade Star. If I search for Joey Helpish, I'll probably find Joey Helpish's stuff. If I search SM Borthwick, I'm going to find SM Borthwick. If you search Pete Johns, you find me because I'm the only Pete Johns kind of putting stuff out there. So if you're saying that there's another Cousin Frank, and uh, when people search Cousin Frank, they're sometimes getting a graffiti artist instead of you, then yeah, I would consider using a different name. Uh, making sure that your name is unique is important. Super important if there's another musical artist, because if you release music, sometimes your song gets lumped under that artist's name, and you definitely don't want that. But yeah, it's still important even if there's just an artist that isn't producing music, if they're doing something else. Because again, yeah, like you say, you don't want the Google search results to go to them if people are looking for you and your music. One moment. Ah, well, the, the happy hour is going to be interesting today. I'm going to have to rest my voice between now and then. <laughs> or just uh, a whole lot of instrumentals in the happy hour, maybe. All righty. Um, I'll answer a quick question here. But yeah, if, you want, if you've got questions, throw them into the form. That's the easiest way for me to, to see them. But I just happen to see that. Uh, question, Pete, would you use a compressor most or all the time when you're recording? Uh, I do. I don't record through a compressor, but I use a compressor on vocals and guitars because they seem to be instruments that have a higher level of dynamic range. Something like a keyboard, I don't tend to use compression on because it's pretty consistent. So the thing about compression is, and where, where I use compression, is when you have uh, too many peaks and troughs in your volume and you don't want to use a whole bunch of automation, compression can just squash down the peaks, pull up the quiet bits, 
and uh, help you with the consistency of your track. So yes, I do use a compressor most of the time, uh, but especially on vocals and guitars. And I like Arnie G here said, yeah, we could have an, a cousin and an auntie. <laughs> yes, and that was something that, that Gertrude did. She uh, She's using Auntie G as her as her stage name. And I think it's really cool. It's, it's nice, it suits her genre. She's a country singer, Auntie G, it just works. So uh, yeah, goes well. And uh, no problem, you're welcome. Uh, hopefully it works out for you. Whether you are Cousin Frank or anything else, hopefully it works for you. But yeah, I'd, I'd always recommend uniqueness, uniquity. I don't know, is that a word? Try to be unique. Let's go to our next question. This one comes in from Diana. And Diana asks, uh, I'm a keyboard player and would like to compose and hopefully sell piano-based relaxation music online. What are the pros and cons of recording my digital piano via audio interface to iPad versus recording via MIDI to GarageBand Studio One, etc.? What an excellent question. And one that I have covered a couple of times on the channel. So I've got some videos. If you search my name, Pete John's MIDI versus audio, I talk about the pros and cons of recording an audio signal versus a MIDI signal. So let's take it back a notch and explain the difference here. So if you've got a keyboard, say you've got a digital piano, you can connect that digital piano directly out of its audio output. So if it's got a line out or even a headphone out, you can take that connection. You can then grab an audio interface. I was going to grab one, but it's plugged in. You can then grab an audio interface and plug your stereo output into the stereo input of your audio interface and then record your piano. So if you've got a really nice sounding digital piano and you want to replicate that exact sound, that's all you need to do. Plug the out of the piano, plug it in. And if you're using a synthesizer or you're using a keyboard with a bunch of different sounds, whatever sound you play on your piano or your keyboard is going to be recorded in your digital audio workstation. MIDI, however, is a completely different kettle of fish. So MIDI is just data. So MIDI is just sending note information. It's saying this is a C1 note and it's at this level of velocity and it's got this pitch shifting and it's got this sustain. So it's just sending all the data packets over to a host application. So if you take GarageBand, for instance, on your phone, if you plug a MIDI keyboard into GarageBand, whatever instrument you set on GarageBand is what's going to be played. Your keyboard sound is not doing anything. That is just providing the data, the note information into your digital audio workstation. Now, which is better is a, is a difficult one. I personally used, so in, back in the day, MIDI instruments were not very good. They, they sounded like MIDI instruments. They sounded like synthetic versions of real instruments. These days, however, even just in GarageBand, like the piano, the grand piano in GarageBand, especially the classical grand, sounds amazing. It's actually a digitally sampled Steinway piano. So when you're playing the piano in GarageBand, you can almost be assured that it's going to be a better piano sound than any piano that you can throw at it. That being said, you might want the specific sound coming out of your piano. So you may want the actual sound and then record that. The benefit of MIDI is of course, editability. So you can edit a MIDI, a MIDI track a lot easier than you can edit a piano track. You play a wrong note when you're recording via audio, it's a wrong note. You can't change, you can pitch shift it, you can try fancy stuff, but you can't change it. You record a wrong note with MIDI or the timing's wrong or the velocity's wrong, all of that can be adjusted. You can edit every element of every MIDI note in your recording. So if you want flexibility, the ability to choose different instruments to change it around, go with uh, MIDI instruments. If you want the exact sound of your piano coming through, 
you can go with the piano sound. So yeah, you can see that I lean more towards the MIDI side just because I find it much more convenient. And to be honest, the sounds are better. Uh, plus you're getting a really clean sound. Sometimes it can be hard depending on your keyboard and the cables and the interface you're using. Obviously you're going analog to analog and then converting that analog to digital. So you can get a bit of, uh, a bit of quality loss when you're going that way. So hopefully that helps you keep it in mind. Alrighty. All right, let's uh, continue on. <laughs> yeah, uh, as I mentioned before, with Jade Star, don't, don't go to the other Jade Star site. Tom, Tom has just gone there. No, don't go to, I think, jadestar.com. Don't go there, don't go there. But yeah, Jade, you should get on the show. Jade, Jade Star, interviewing Jade Star, that could be fun. Let's go to our next question. Uh, if anyone has any final questions, uh, the form is still open. I'll close it in a moment. Uh, it's still open, so you can sneak your question under the bar if you would like to ask it. Timothy says, I recently unpacked my old studio gear. I have a Roland synth that I'll use for a controller, but I also have an Alesis MMT8. Is it possible to use it with iPad and apps or a waste of time? So first thing Pete needs to do, hang on, is Alesia? Is it Alesia or an Alesis? I'm going to search for this because I have no idea what that is. <laughs> so the first thing I'm going to need to do is find out what that actually is. Uh, Alesis, must be Alesis. Alesis, uh, oh, Alesis MMTA is a vintage synth explorer. Interesting. Oh, okay, it's this. Oh, I'm, I'm moving the wrong screen. Uh, let's let's bring this up on the screen. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, okay. No, it's not a vintage synth. It's a vintage synth, um, but it's on a website called Vintage Synth Explorer. Uh, let's just share this, shall we? Uh, and you can see, you can see what I see. So it looks like it is this, the Alesis MMT. Uh, so a standard and simple MIDI sequencer. Ah, okay, that's still used today by some of the biggest names in electronic music. I I don't know that something like that would work very well with GarageBand. If it's a MIDI sequencer, um, GarageBand has very basic MIDI compatibility. So if it's using multiple channels of MIDI, if it's using anything outside of basically a standard sending of MIDI information into GarageBand, it's probably not going to work. So I would, I would probably lean towards just using a standard controller. I mean, you can experiment with it. It would be fun to play with, but yeah, I don't, I don't know that a MIDI sequencer and GarageBand would be the best of friends. I have a feeling that they would probably, uh, yeah, they would probably not like each other. Clinton Hutton in the house. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, Clinton, a wonderful Australian musician from down in Tasmania, uh, where I think I saw you actually gigging again down there, which is very, very good news. Uh, very good news for you and uh, for our Tasmanian friends. We're, we're starting to see some gigs popping up here in Adelaide again. Um, I know Melbourne's a little bit behind the curve because they've had a bit of a rougher trot. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is good to see live music happening once again. So yeah. Uh, yeah, um, Clinton, head up, yeah, just search Clinton Hutton. I think you're the only Clinton Hutton musician that folks are going to find. So, uh, yeah, go check out Clint's music. It is very good. Question here from Patrick Chandler. Uh, question is, one moment. Sorry, having a few issues with the voice today. Uh, question is, what is the best way to see if a mastered track is at a competitive volume? I usually export it out of Final Touch back into Audio Share and look at the waveform, but it does not let you know the actual dB levels. It's more or less a by ear type thing, or is there an app or site that will let you know your mastered level is? Good question. 
Good question and, uh, yeah, good stuff all round. Now, I don't... I, you know what I can do? I can go to DistroKid. Let, let's do this on the fly. Let's do a bit of a, a demo because we've got a bit of time here today, I think. Yeah, we've got still got 20 minutes. Uh, so what I'll, I'll, the reason I'm going to DistroKid is I'm going to uh, download a copy of my song and, uh, and then I'm going to show you a website that's actually really, really cool. So let's come over here. I'll show you what I'm doing. Here we go. Uh, we'll come here. We'll download a copy of my song, New Beginning. With drums by Jade Star, no less. So there's a WAV file. It's downloading there. Now there is a website called Loudness Penalty. Now to, now to answer your question, first and foremost, yeah. So Audio Share, Final Touch, they have some level like metering, but they don't really tell you everything about your master. Um, so there there are some things that, you, that there's like other applications and other software that do a better job. Um, oh, loudness, I've done that well, but I actually like using this one. This is. Um, from uh, Ian Shepard, who's a mastering engineer. Uh, he teamed up with someone else. I can't remember who it is. That's really bad of me. Uh, but he teamed up with someone else and they created this, which is a uh, loudness. So it says, find out if your music will be turned down by YouTube, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, a Soundcheck, and more. Discover your music's loudness penalty score for free. So the thing with mastering is what you want to get from your master is you want it to be radio ready. You want it to be as loud as you can make it without making it so loud that it's going to be turned down, that it's going to be too loud for all the streaming platforms. Because once you hit that point, you're actually going to get the reverse impact because you're going to make it so loud, it's actually going to be turned down. You want it to be right in the middle there where you've got a, enough dynamic range to be able to hear it, but you're not crushing it so much that it's just a solid waveform. So your first bit is right, that check in Audio Share or check in whatever software you're using and make sure that you've got some at least a few troughs in there. Unless you're doing like some full-on punk metal song, and then sure, you can have the... You have the Foo Fighters waveform where it's just, boom, it just goes and stays. But if you want some dynamic range, check for that. So let's uh, try this now. We will uh, we will grab... Oh, now why does that say Schnell's New Beginning? Wait, oh, you know why? <coughs> because I mastered that in using that Schnell's and that was the name of the file. So let's drag this file in here. It will uh, process the audio, but not uploading. Uh, it obviously thinks I'm going to freak out. So here you go. So this is the results in dB. So my song is going to be turned down. So it's going to be turned down uh, 0.9 in Spotify, uh, YouTube, 1.1, title 0.9, iTunes minus two. So yeah, iTunes penalty. So these are, this means that I've probably mastered this a little bit too loud. Let's just try a different one. Why don't we try a song that I know is, that I, that I did early on before I used to master things and kind of crush things. Let's go right back in time and go to my first EP. And download a track here. It's fun just to play with this anyway. Um, let's do Turn Back because this is a really sort of quiet song. And I definitely wouldn't have crushed it on this. So there you go. There's my there's my original wave file. By the way, if you're a DistroKid user, how cool is this? You've got your, your full high-res masters that you can download directly from DistroKid at any time. If you're like me and you never really know <laughs> where your stuff is, then uh, it can be handy. Let's just go back to the front page here. We'll try this one. Boom. And drum roll, please. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so early Pete was apparently mastering even louder, even on a quiet little uh, quiet little ditty like that. So this is one way that you can do. You can try a master. You can bring it in here, see what the penalty, because look at that, 3.9 on Spotify. Yeah, that's not good. That's, that's going to turn it down. And I think if you play it, can you play it back here? Uh, let's turn it up. Mm -hmm. 
And I think, even though you can't really hear it that well, I think when you play it and you select these, it'll actually play it like it's going to be played on those platforms, which is pretty cool. Let's just try one more. I want to try and find one that I didn't do badly at, <laughs> that isn't getting penalized. Uh, no apologies. I, I seem to recall, I think probably because Jade mastered this one. It's probably mastered well. <laughs> we'll try it anyway. We'll download it. We'll come back to the loudness penalty analyzer. And we'll drag, oh, has it downloaded yet? Once it downloads, we will drag it on in. And yeah, there you go. Uh, and Jade, yeah, it's loudnesspenalty.com. So Jade has popped the URL down in the chat here. Or if you're listening to the audio, just go loudnesspenalty.com. And uh, Tom says there's a plugin you can buy, at least for desktop, that tells you this also. There you go. So it's, uh, it's pretty fun because you get to bring your tracks in here and see how they go. Let's try no apologies. What do we got here? Yeah, so being turned down a little bit, but less, less so. And look, most of the time you are going to find that your songs are going to be turned down by the different services because, yeah, all of us are looking to master and get things up around that zero dB. So it's not the worst thing in the world, but yeah, it's a, it's a good way anyway to, uh, to check that out. So hopefully that gave you not the answer, but some ideas for some things that might help you out with that, Patrick. Let's uh, jump over. Yes, we have covered all of the questions there. Um, and uh, I'll just check the chat one final time and see if we have anyone that's asked anything else. Uh, so Sion, we'll finish with this one. Uh, Sion, how do you, uh, how do you stay consistent in learning multiple skills? I feel I'm getting better, but at a very slow rate. <clears throat> yeah, I hear you. So consistency and uh, sticking with it is really tough. I was talking to, uh, I think it was Jade yesterday. I was talking to Jade uh, and I was talking about Thomas Christ. So he did a show yesterday and it was great to see. Uh, I wasn't there for the live show, but I saw the replay. It was great to see that Thomas, his his uh, viewer rate is increasing. Uh, his skills in his live streams is increasing. And that is because he's done like 10 of them in the last 10 weeks. He's just doing it over and over again. He's rinse and repeat. And I was saying to Jade yesterday that I'm like, the reason Thomas is going to be successful is that he's going to continue to learn. He's going to continue to grow and learn and he's doing it the right way, which is to just continue to do what you're doing and the right people, your tribe will come to what you're doing. It can be frustratingly slow. And the reason most people are not successful is that they don't see that immediate success and then they stop doing it. That's actually the opposite of what I think you need to do with learning is that when you don't see the immediate success, you need to keep going or double your efforts or at least keep consistently doing the same things. So when it comes to staying consistent and learning multiple skills, uh, A, maybe don't try and learn too many things at once. If you're focusing on things and you're focusing on learning guitar, then you know put most of your energy into guitar or singing, put it into singing, music recording and production, put it into recording and production. I, I for, for instance, I started out early on. In the first couple of years I did this, I was learning how to produce songs. So I was sharing a lot of information about the mixing, the mastering, the recording. These days, I'm learning more about producing videos. So a lot of my videos these days are about live streaming and editing videos and, and doing other things. So I think as you go, you'll naturally evolve and what you actually talk about and what you focus on will change as well. But yeah, I, I do, I hear you. Consistency is tough, especially when you're not seeing the immediate results. But the good news is 
that you will be successful because so many people will drop out along the way and get frustrated. The reason, the reason that I give away all of my information for free is that I don't, I don't have anything behind me paywall. Sure, I have Patreon where we do some live streams, but really that's just getting more access to me and that's just seeing sort of more of the behind the scenes stuff. <clears throat> but when it comes to the information, I'm not going to just tell you 50% of what I know about GarageBand and then hide the other 50% behind a paid course because... Uh, people say, oh, but if you put all your stuff out there, other people will copy it and do it. They, they just won't. Like, that's the thing. 5% uh, of people that consider doing it, like 0.1% would actually do it because it's all effort, yeah? People want the, the, the success. They want the impact without the effort. I'm not saying this about you, Sion. I know that you're putting in the effort, but I think that it's key that uh, a lot of people want the results, but they're not willing to put in the consistent effort. Wow, my voice is really about to go. I'm going to have to uh, do some hyper-hydrating before we go. Uh, Barry says, when are you going to leave to leave you? When are you going to leave you and your GarageBand for the iMac so I can learn how to use? Uh, so I, yeah, I probably will start using GarageBand on Mac just for fun to play around with. Uh, and I'll probably do a video or two just showing what it's like for someone who has never used GarageBand on a Mac to go and use GarageBand on a Mac. Um, I don't think, you know, we're going to change the channel and, and have a significant focus on GarageBand for Mac because we already have Patrick. And uh, I want Patrick to do the hard work for me <laughs> when it comes to GarageBand on Mac. But yeah, I'll definitely be, be exploring some options um, uh, and playing around with GarageBand and potentially um, just, yeah, learning, um, learning a few other things and learning some stuff. Alrighty. Um, yeah. So, uh, sorry, I did see, I did see some things here. So Patrick, yeah, you're welcome. There you go. Uh, great information. Clarifies quite a bit. Thank you. You're very welcome. Um, and yeah, just keep at it and keep learning. Absolutely. Just keep doing your thing and you will indeed get there in the end. Alrighty, I'm going to finish up now and rest my poor weary vocal cords because in just four hours time, uh, we're doing the happy hour and it's going to be a nice, relaxed, chilled happy hour. We'll be using the Mac again, so I'm going to put it, to, put it through its paces. I've got to work out how to use the effects on this to get a bit of reverb on my, on my old mixer because I'm on my old Samson mixer here. So we'll, uh, we'll be doing that. And yeah, again, it's just going to be a few requests and playing some nice uh, acoustic tunes, probably lots of 90s and 80s and 70s and a bit of naughty stuff in there. So uh, I hope you can join me for that and then at this time tomorrow we've got garage band weekly so if you're a garage band user and you're getting into your garage band stuff or you're as we say garage band curious then uh, drop on by and we'll be chatting about all things garage band but until then until uh, the happy hour where i will be donning a santa hat for the performance too just quietly. I put, uh, I put something online, um, where was it, on my community tab, and I said, uh, if I get 100 comments on this, I oh, know I did one of those wanky things, I'm sorry, I, I don't do it very often, I just said, 100 comments on this, and I'll wear this for the happy hour tomorrow. And of course, someone hacked the system and did like 37 comments themselves. But there were still a lot of people that said, yeah, do it. So we'll be doing that. We'll be doing that. Uh, yeah, I need a vocal rest uh, from now till then to protect the pipes. Otherwise, it will be a lot of instrumental stuff. And uh, uh, yes, and hello. See you in a bit, Gary. See you. Clearly epic. My buddy Steve. Glad I caught the show after Nebraska lost. Uh, football, I'm assuming. Uh, or throwball, as I call it. Sorry. I've just defended every American football fan. But it's funny that it's called football. And I see them kick it about twice a game because it's just throwing the ball around. Anyway, I, I say the same about rugby. So before I, you think I just offend Americans, I offend all of the eastern east coast of uh, Australia too, because rugby should be called not football, but throwball as well. 
because they throw the ball. All right, we're done. <laughs> I'm clearly ranting. I need to rest the voice. So uh, thank you for being here. Uh, head over to studiolivetoday.com if you want to check out all the ways you can interact and get in touch with me here on the channel. But until next time, please be kind to yourselves, be kind to others, keep rocking, keep creating, and I'll see you real soon. 